0: When I say the name Nobel, what do you think of? The Nobel Prize, that's right, I heard that from a few of you. Every year, there are prizes given for achievements in medicine, literature, God. science, and peacemaking. A Swedish man by the name of Alfred, Alfred Nobel, <laughs> is responsible for these prizes and for the generous Sorry financial gifts that with I those was like, prizes. wait, I should, I could have just grabbed that. <laughs> but we might not have the Nobel Prize if it weren't for a newspaper mistake. Maybe some of you know this story. Nobel was born in 1833 and over the course of his life he did lots of inventions. He got something like 350 patents from all those inventions. He made a ton of money during his life and he's probably best known for inventing dynamite. In 1888, his brother died But somehow the word got out incorrectly, and many newspapers published obituaries thinking that Alfred had died. And Alfred read those accounts of his death when he hadn't died yet, and he wasn't real happy. One headline said, the merchant of death is dead. And in that article, it said, Dr. Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. Well, Alfred Nobel was rather saddened by this portrayal or this summary of his life, so he decided to do what he could do to change the narrative, to change the story. It's almost like he got a second chance to write his own obituary. With a large amount of money that he accumulated, he established the foundation for what we now call the Nobel Prize. And perhaps best known of all these prizes is the Nobel Prize for Peace. Because of the wake up call of that newspaper mistake and the chance to rewrite his obituary, Alfred Nobel was able to refocus his life, redirect his priorities, rechannel his energies, and write a different story for his life. And he's now remembered as a passionate advocate for medicine and science and literature and peacemaking. What a fascinating story. So, how about you? Have you ever thought about how you're going to be remembered? About what will be in your obituary? About what's going to be said at your funeral? Sometimes when a person gets a terminal diagnosis of several months and they know they've only got those few months to live, sometimes, not always, they'll sit down with their family and write their obituary. Reflecting back on their life, having conversations and reminiscing about the life and the years in the past as the day of death approaches. Well, what if we took this one step further for us here today? The reality is, as wonderful as all of us are, the day is going to come for all of us that we're going to die. It's just a fact. So what if we thought a little bit about what our obituary was gonna look like and the direction that our life is taking. Today is our Commitment Sunday here at church. And as you've heard, yes, part of that is about making a commitment, financial, prayerful, engaging in the life and ministry of the church. That's really important, but what if we thought about commitment in at least a little bit different way? Renewing our commitment to God and to living with a sense of purpose and clarity and intention. To get back on track if maybe we've gotten off track. Questions to ponder for today. What will your obituary say about you? What kind of impact or legacy are you going to leave? As poet Mary Oliver put it so beautifully, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? As Christians, we're called to follow Jesus, the one who came proclaiming God's kingdom, a new reality of justice and righteousness where God's love permeates everything. That's how we're called to orient our lives in a general sense. And maybe we get a little help from a Bible verse, the fruit of the Spirit, in terms of what that life is intended to look like. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, gentleness faithfulness, self-control. We also get a glimpse of what that life is to look like from the story of Abram and Sarah, which you got a little glimpse of with the children's message. God sent them on a journey blessing them with the hope that they would recognize that they were called to be a blessing to others. Listen for God's word from Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Thanks be to God for the words of Scripture. Blessed to be a blessing real concise paraphrase of that biblical story and a great way to frame the Christian life, that we've been blessed with the gift of life, we've been blessed with God's love, and we're called to use those blessings for something good. This month, our sermon series has focused on church matters and money matters and life matters, thinking about all these things that matter and how they all overlap together, inviting us to think about the ways we spend our money and our time, and inviting us to think about how we're being the church today and how we're being generous with our time, our talent, and our treasures. So I've been thinking a lot about generosity, and I've actually seen a lot of examples of generosity on social media over the last several months. I am one of the millions of followers of a young man named Zachary Denarowski, also known as MD Motivator. He was a medical student, never did finish medical school. He was struggling with mental health issues. During the pandemic, he started reaching out to other people, caring for other people. And he would do things like you see here, standing on the street with a sign like, hey, are you struggling? If you need a hug, come on up. And he's got videos of these encounters. People come up and they start sobbing in his arms and a stranger's arm, dealing with all the burdens and struggles of COVID and everything else that's going on. From there, he started being generous with people. And he would go up to a homeless person and ask the homeless person, hey, do you have a dollar or two so I can get a cup of coffee or get a ride on the bus? And I've seen dozens of videos where these people who have nothing dig into their coin box and give them some money so they, you know, thinking he's going to get a cup of coffee. Well, he turns around and hands them an envelope with $500, $1,000, whatever it is. People see these videos and they support because they want to help. They want to be part of that generosity. It's really inspiring. Then there's another guy who goes by the name of Jimmy Darts. I'm not sure he was born with that name, but maybe he was. Um, Another social media influencer and he gives away money in all sorts of creative ways. In the video, that's, that's a screenshot here, um, he goes to a retail, a, a discount superstore, and he asks people a question. Would you rather have $1,000 for yourself or give $10,000 to a stranger? And in the video, The first two people think about it for a second and end up taking the $1,000. One of them mentions that her sister just had a premature baby and the money would come in really handy. So he gives them an envelope with $1,000 in it and says, God bless you. The third person on the video thinks about it for a second. And then he says, let's give it to somebody. And so Jimmy says, you got 20 seconds. And he hands him a suitcase. And he runs off into the store and he finds this woman with one or two kids and hands her this. Suitcase with $10,000 in it. She starts to cry. And then the guy, Jimmy, looks at the guy who handed off the suitcase and said, That was awesome. And because you were so nice to do that, I've got something for you. And he hands him another suitcase with $10,000 in it. <laughs> These sort of videos are circulating all over social media. You know, not everything on social media is junk. And my hope with things like this is that a whole new generation of people is learning about generosity in creative ways. Generosity being one of the core values of the Christian faith. It's fascinating. Here at Covenant, we don't have quite the millions of followers on social media that some of these other people do, but we do have some wonderful examples of generosity and people who have recognized what it means to be blessed to be a blessing. And you actually passed by a bunch of them as you walked into the sanctuary this morning. On the wall, right back there, there's a list of the charter members of this congregation, the people who in the mid-1950s came together and thought prayerfully, we need to have a church in the west side of Madison. So they came together, and they worked hard. They prayed. They were generous. They were perseverant. And because of their hard work, our church is here today, almost 70 years later. I've been here almost 10 years. I knew a few of those charter members. Most of them have died, but I think they knew what it meant to be blessed to be a blessing. And part of me wonders if 70 years ago when they came together, if they had any inkling at all that all these decades later there would be people sitting in the pews being blessed to be part of a church community because of the hard work and the determination and the generosity and the prayerfulness that those charter members put in all those decades ago. Another place we see generosity around here is Bradfield Hall, sometimes known as the Donut Room. It's down the hall around the corner. There's a little sign on the wall that we pass by all the time, those of us who are in the building. It's really hard to get a good photograph of that, as I found out this week. But there it is. And Bradfield Hall was named after Irwin Bradfield, who was the synod executive in the 1950s. And according to the plaque, he gave, quote, spiritual inspiration and warm personal interest to the congregation during its formative years. Now, I don't know a lot of the details of Irwin Bradfield's work, what specifically he did for that, but I have a pretty strong hunch that if he just went through the motions of his job and did the bare minimum, without that deep spiritual commitment and without that deep warm personal interest I don't think our church would be here today. Erwin Bradfield and all those charter members had a sense of being blessed and wanting to be a blessing to others so they did the hard work the prayerful work to make this church what it is. In my almost 10 years here I've gotten to know a lot of the saints who've gone before us and labored for the sake of this church and for God's kingdom in this community and around the world, and I'm really grateful for them. I've officiated at several of their memorial services. I give thanks to God for them who've been generous with their time, their talent, their treasure for this church, for the community and the world. And I just want to share three examples of those people. The first one is Bob Lorenz. Twelve of us just got back from an inspiring week in Guatemala. Covenant has had a partnership with Presbyterians in Guatemala for 20 years, and we wouldn't have that partnership if it weren't for Bob and Sally Lorenz. Sally's here somewhere today, and we're glad that—there she is. Sorry, Sally. I told her that I was going to talk about the family today, so fair warning, but, you know, Bob. Um, and Sally are well loved in Guatemala. There's at least one family that has a picture of them on their living room wall with gratitude for all the connections over the years. He's finally remembered also at University of Wisconsin where he taught for decades and he's lovingly remembered by his family and he's certainly beloved here in this church for his energy, for his warmth, for his smile, for his passion for Guatemala and Habitat for Humanity and just making people's day better. I've got that spring in my step like Bob Lorenz used to have, right? He worked hard to make this world a better place because he knew he was blessed by God to be a blessing to other people. Another example, Helen Berkemeyer. If you're relatively new to the church, you probably don't know that name, but those of you who are not old, but (laughs) well-seasoned veterans of this church might recognize that name and know Helen. She died just a few weeks ago. She served as organist here for a very long time, making a joyful noise for thousands of people. Not only was she organist here, but she also volunteered with music therapy, and she was a foster parent to several kids. I've gotten to know her in my time here mostly because of funerals. She and her husband Bill moved out to Spring Green a long time ago, and so they weren't active in the life and ministry of the church, but they came to dozens of funerals over the years with that ministry of kindness and compassion and the smile on their faces and offering comfort to people who were grieving. Helen and Bill were blessed, and they were blessings to many. Third example, Jane Arbogast, Jane's name is on that plaque back there. She was a charter member here along with her husband, Tom. They were here since the beginning of this church. Jane held many leadership positions in this church. and In her later years, she helped out in the church office, answering the phone when we had meetings and just being an all-around good person. She was a prominent member of our care team when we got that started, providing sy- systematic caregiving for people in the congregation. She had a caring heart, And one way she showed that was with her birthday cards. She had a very big family, three kids, I want to get this right, three kids, seven grandchildren, ten great-grandchildren, and five great-great-grandchildren. So Jane would go through magazines and cut out pictures and words and phrases and little stories, and she would make handmade birthday cards for her entire family over the course of the year some of us were lucky enough to get on that birthday list as well and i was one of those people who did and i treasure this birthday card that she gave me in january of 2020 my birthday is january 3rd just a couple months before she died with covid early in the pandemic and two things i really treasure about this card I don't know if she knew that orange is my favorite color, but I've got the orange card, and that's great. And then the second thing that I think is fascinating is she apparently, with all the cards, would find um, pictures of celebrities or whatever that looked something like the person whose birthday was celebrating. (laughs) I don't know how well you can see that picture, but that guy's probably 20 years younger than me, has a lot more hair than I do, and is a heck of a lot more handsome than I am. So thank you, Jane. You're very gracious. I really appreciate that she was that kind of person and that's her legacy that's one of her legacies of making people smile and feel cared for and valued and loved in addition to all the countless hours she put in for the sake of this church here at covenant we're blessed with all the saints that have gone before us all these wonderful people i could stand here for hours and tell stories about a whole lot more people People who are no longer physically with us and people who are still right here right now. We're surrounded with examples of people who've learned the good news of the gospel, that we are loved by God and given the gift of life and blessed with the gift of life, gifts that are meant to be shared however we can. All sorts of different ways that we do that, from Guatemala to music to birthday cards to whatever it is. And those sorts of things can be our legacy. So on this Commitment Sunday, yeah, sure, I hope you make a pledge, a financial pledge to the church. That's really important, and we need to keep this church going and moving strong. But but really, making a commitment to live a spirit-filled life, to let God guide you and lead you to a life of purpose and meaning, a, a life of faith, hope, and love, that's what's really important, being generous with our time, our talent, our treasures in all sorts of ways well beyond the doors of this church. The simple truth of the gospel is a statement and a question. God loves us. How are we going to respond? The song we're going to sing in just a minute really gives us an opportunity to to think about our response, and I'd like to close the sermon with the first verse of that song, which is really a prayer goes like this lord of all good our gifts really our life we bring to you use them your holy purpose to fulfill tokens of love and pledges brought anew that our whole life is offered to your will thanks be to god amen